What's good, everybody? We are back to tip off yet another edition of a Shot of Whiskey podcast brought to you by the good folks over at New Amendment. As a part of Beyond the Big Ten Podcast Network, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcast, and on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten, not spelled out with the number 10. Also, make sure to follow along on all socials, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle at Beyond the Big Ten. Again, the number 10, not spelled out. I am former Badger All-American Jordan Taylor, still rocking with my guy, my dog, the best four man in school history, 2000, all, 2011 second round pick, and All-American John Lure, a.k.a. Cusco. We got a great show coming for you guys today, so stick around. But first, Johnny, check in. What's good with you? How's life? What's happening? Life is good, man. The high school team I'm coaching here in Nashville, we were on a, on a three-game skid. We got a big win last night. The Badgers were on a three-game skid. They got a big win. I saw the London Lions got a couple big wins. So I think life is good all around right now for everybody. Life right? is good, man. It always is, but it's a, it's a little sweeter this week. We got our first uh, first Euro Cup win since I've been here. We we dropped a tough one, heartbreaker, in my in my second game. In the first game, I didn't really. It was we had a bunch of injuries, so um, went about went four games up in our in our playoff race with like six to play in Euro Cup. So that was big, Sammy. Led the way for us. He had like 25 points. He was balling. He's been balling all year. So yeah, man, it was it was sweet. It was nice. Give us a breathing room and a, a little bit a little bit less stressful over here. Even though it's never really stressful in London. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a good time, man. So, uh-huh. but good, man. I'm- hey, my 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 guy has found the fountain of youth too. Who me? You're uh, you're looking spry. <laughs> you're looking like a, a the 33 year old version of Jordan is looking like the 21 year old version. Uh, I saw you had 19 and nine next game, 11, eight and eight, almost triple double. Yeah. So uh, what's the secret, man? What's the fountain? And I'm you Cusco. I'm Benjamin Button, man. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm, trying, <laughs> you I'm trying to, you know, as you know, I've almost I've almost cut the plug a couple of times. So it, it feels good to feels good to feel good, man. But Coach Ryan would. Doing that after two two hip replacements, two full knee replacements, two, two replacements. full ankle replacements. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm about to get my That's I'm about to get my AARP card, man. But yeah, it's, it's all good. Coach uh-huh. Ryan would have been sick because I had about I almost had a quadruple double. I had six turnovers, and Sam was ready. Sam oh. was ready to kill me. I don't think I can't remember the last time I've had six turnovers in a game. So. uh but yeah, we, we yeah, man. take care nah, of the ball. Man. That's the Wisconsin man, way. I'm a, I'm a pro now. I don't subscribe to that. Throw that thing around the gym, man. But <laughs> but all good, man. Every let's jump into this X's and O's segment. Tyler Wall returned for Penn State. Finally, we got our ace back after dropping three straight. The Badgers moved to four and three. You know how we do. We're gonna rock with the negative and move to the positive. So give me some things that you did not like about the Badgers output this last week. Um, you know, I thought there were some careless turnovers in the first half. You know, we were just talking about yeah. that, right? With you turning the dang ball over. Uh, Chucky had some careless ones uh, that we just got to tighten up. And then, uh, man, the first half we were flying at every shot fake. And that was allowing them to, you know, get open threes and get in the lane. And I know Coach Guard made a point of that. And, and credit to him, shout out to him, because – after halftime, we sat on the floor, and it made a big difference. So uh, discipline defensively in the first half was something we, should, we needed to do a little better job. Definitely, definitely out of character. Chucky, uh, I actually cringed a little bit for Chucky. He did a great I – th- I thought we did a great job on the ball, the aggressiveness on the ball. I thought we turned it up a notch in that first half. Chucky had one where 
uh, one of the Penn State guys got in the lane and gave him a shot fake, and he jumped to the moon for it, which is obviously in Wisconsin. That's a cardinal sin in our defense. Um, so, yeah, that that was one thing that I, that I thought so, too. But for me, honestly, it was really hard to, to pick um, something other than that from this game that I didn't like. It was, uh, you know, obviously getting Tyler back in the lineup. I thought he did a good job of, of not forcing things. We didn't turn the ball over, held them to, I believe, four offensive rebounds. Um, we did all the little things pretty well for the most part, and it seemed like a really kind of back-to-basics Wisconsin win, which was – which was uh which was a sight to see. So I think that kind of leads us into the things that we that we did like, right? And I wanted to shout you out because you've been talking about this pretty much every episode we have was Steven Crowd goes over that left shoulder, right hook. And two times in the first half, he went right shoulder, left hook. And it's almost I was thinking like Johnny must have him on speed dial because that's uh you must be his vet man, because he <laughs> he seems to have almost mastered that move. So that that was uh, amazing to see. I love it, man. That, that stood out to me for sure. Hey, look who we got. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's going on? Hey, man, like I said, we didn't mention it, but we got a special guest for y'all. Head coach of the Badgers, two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year in six years. I don't know if that's ever been done. We'll have to, we'll have to get our fact checker on that one. We got Coach Greg Gard with us to jump in and join the show. Coach, what's happening? You're joining us for the X's and O's, man. We're just talking just talking about Steven Crowell adding the right shoulder left hook to his game. Is that you or is that uh is that Sharif or who's giving him that work? Of course it's all me, guys. I can't believe I got two former players here like our talking heads in media. That's got me a little speechless here. Of course, Jordan, you are never at a loss for words anyway, right, John? He never Hey, Coach, Jordan forced me to do this. Uh, he wrote me into this. I don't know how I'm sitting here right now being a media member technically, but, uh, you know, I blame him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's new. It's uh, new no, media, Steve, guys. Steve's development's been, been awesome. Uh, you guys have seen. I mean, it's it's a lot of work he's put in. He's he's committed himself to the weight room, I think, is the biggest jump in his game. Um, and it's stuff we work on darn near every single day with, Left hand, right hook, hand, jump hooks, counters, footwork. So I think uh, everybody deserves some credit, but nobody deserves more than what than Steve does. You know, we, we've talked at length about the development that you uh, put in, obviously, for one, but obviously the whole coaching staff. You'd be disappointed to know that John did not remember the five post moves. Of course, I remembered all five. John, oh, really? okay. <laughs> John was not paying attention. Bad student. Uh, but what, well, just to give you a quick rundown, thing, things we talk about on the show at the X's and O's, we kind of go over the things that we that we like to see improve and the things that we uh, that we like from the last game. Um, so we mentioned Steven Crow going over the right shoulder, left hand. One thing I thought was great, Chucky getting on the block. He's starting to show his full skill set of, uh, you know, he's getting in the paint more. Obviously, we knew he could shoot it, but now seeing him on the block and uh, and uh, getting in the paint more. What are some of the things that you took away from this game that you really thought were positives for the squad? Well, I think our ability to adjust again with another injury with Max going down in the first half and Jordan handling his change of role, so to speak, with me starting Connor. Um, you know, and Penn State's a hard team to cover because of how they spread you out, four shooters, and then they've got Pickett doing his thing in the paint. So it it forces you into a lot of one-on-one situations, and you guys understand the the importance of adhering to defensive rules. And uh, when you got younger guys, sometimes those rules get forgotten about or broken. So I think for us to be able to minimize, uh, even though Penn State got some 
decent looks at times. We were able to have them enough off balance and and have them sped up enough in terms of having to come off screens full speed to even get separation from us that, you know, defensively, um, a lot of good things, a lot of things we can learn from. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's getting Tyler back is huge because he's, it's a domino effect uh, on both ends of the floor for us. Um, Connor, his development, his ascension, so to speak, to this level has been way faster than I think anybody ever predicted. Um, how he's just handled the moment really well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've, we've got to continue to stay healthy, get healthy um, as everybody does. But, but this group, when they're, when we're healthy, we're, we're pretty good. Coach, you mentioned, you know, sticking to our rules, our principles defensively. We were actually just talking about that before you got on how the first half, I think we jumped at about five or six shot fakes, which is so uncharacteristic of us. But in the second half, that didn't happen. I'm sure you very calmly told the guys at halftime to stay on the floor and and uh, in the locker room, and that was the that was the difference. But uh, yeah, I can mean, you just expand on some of those you know rules and principles that we have that that make our defense so efficient every year? Yeah, I think the you know the one thing is we try to minimize, and it was really important in this game to minimize how much help and recover we had to do away from the ball um, because if you're you know, Penn State's really uncharacteristic in terms of most Big Ten teams. There's not a true big, and they're not they're playing with the floor open so much. Probably more what you guys see overseas or what you saw in the NBA, John. Um, so, how much, how many actions can we guard two versus two, and not have to rely on that third guy? Because when you get the third guy involved, whether it's bumping a ball screen roll or whether it's jamming from the backside, they're so good at finding the backside lift and replace guy and. And uh, so the more we could, like I said, handle those actions and minimize the options they had within the actions, you understand, you know, in the chase part of when we drilled that, you know, cutting the floor in half, only giving them one side, they got it. We don't want to get even above or below the the shooter as he's coming off screens in terms of our chase mode um, and restricting the amount of floor he has to work with. So some of those same things, uh, I think some of the, concepts and rules that you guys played against um, Northwestern when they were running the Princeton offense and how we would minimize how much help and recovery we had to do and forcing the ball two bodies, forcing the cutters two bodies. A lot of the same languaging and, and terminology and concepts uh, were applied for that too. From uh, from the offensive side, obviously you want to force the, def- to force the defense to, to use three guys in the pick and roll. We've been doing. You've been using a lot of the pick and high, pick and pop with with Chucky and Steven throughout the course of the year. But it looked like this game there was more of an emphasis on the short roll with Steven and the roll and replace, especially early on. What was the mindset going into that? Was there an emphasis put on that to have a rim runner to kind of force more help, or was it just kind of a something? Yeah, I think to, you know trying to play natural. through Steve. Yeah, trying to some of it is natural that we get through. We we have a little continuity ball screen offense we get into at times in it. And it forces us to move and change sides of the floor. And, and if we get a little stagnant, we go to it. Or if we have we find some areas we can take advantage of in, in short rolls or throwbacks and throw-ins. You mentioned the roll and replace and throwing it back and throwing it in. But we wanted to play through Steve as much as we could, knowing that, A, he was had a hot hand. B, they really had no answer for him. Inside, we just had to do a good job of getting it to him and and making sure the flow was spread as they sent some help towards him. 
Coach, you, your, uh, your ATOs after timeout plays are always so great, especially down the stretch of games. There was one in the Penn State game that I just loved when we hit Steve and we went high split with Connor. Um, a lot of Warriors run that action a ton, right? With Stephen Clay up top, throw it in the post. They're not even really looking to score. You're just trying to open up for a shooter. It's a better angle to pass it to him. Right. Um, that was, and, and Connor knocked down a three. That was, you know, you just have so many great ATOs. Are those a, a feel thing during the game? Do you go into it saying you, you have a list of them? What, yeah, what's we, kind of your thought process? We have on, some. On I sure. have some that I have a list. If you see me looking at that white sheet of paper, I've got a list that's, I always tell our assistants the list is too damn long. I, I got too many specials. Um, that, actually, that one uh, I made up in the timeout. We had never run it, never practiced it. I, I just, wow. uh, I just, it was something that I had seen somebody else do. And like I said, I've got a Rolodex in my mind and in my notepad of stuff that, you know, I got a thousand more that these guys have never seen yet that I just waited for the right time. And I don't want to overload them with too many, too many specials, and then they start overthinking it and stop playing. But that one I just said, hey, here's what we're going to do, and drew it up in the timeout, and they did it exactly. It always it always looks good when the ball goes in, too. You know, it's like football. <laughs> every every play is designed to be a touchdown. So every one of right. the little wrinkles we come out of timeouts with is designed to make a shot, you know, and they always look good when they go in. Yeah. I think sure. I think your ability to adjust and, and adapt on the fly as a coach is one thing that that definitely needs to be talked about more. But we're we're definitely going to come back to that. We're going to put a pin in that for a second. So we got to get to our scouting reports. You guys got Maryland and Illinois both for the second time this year. Maryland, obviously, the first time, sixty four fifty nine victory, low scoring, kind of ugly game. Uh, one thing that stood out to me about that game was Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott both averaging twelve points a game. Held them to five of twenty-four shooting and fourteen points collectively. Uh, what's the keys going into this game to 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 get a dub down in DC? Well, one one of the keys, Jordan, is we got to play Northwestern here before. I don't know if over in London you've seen the reschedule. <laughs> um, we got <laughs> them either. And as we sit here today recording this, I, it may be Monday, it may be Sunday. It'll be one of those yeah. two days, and then we've got and then we've got. Uh, Maryland on Wednesday. So Maryland's playing yeah. better. You know, I think acclimating to a new coaching staff, um, you know, the the transfer young, the point guard has been really playing well. Uh, we did a pretty good job on him at our place. And, and Maryland's never lacked for talent, you know, since they've come into the league and in you know, the last whatever, eight, nine, ten years that they've been in the Big Ten. There's never been, you never look at Maryland and go, oh, they don't have very much. Um, it's just a matter of how can you minimize, you know, the the individuals? And it, it'll be, you know, very similar. Illinois, too, is, uh, I think, playing better um, as time has gone on. We, we've got to be better defensively. We didn't do a good job on Coleman Hawkins. So, you know, for us, you know, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough week because we're going to have three games here in probably six days, seven days. So um, our ability to maximize, you know, rest and recovery and, um, very little practice time, which you guys would like, uh, unlike the days when Coach Ryan was here. Like, we actually sometimes do a walkthrough the day before a game and don't even don't even hit another body. Imagine that, how fresh you guys would have felt. Who? Wow. Who does that? Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> I, did that. I did that before Penn State because we had come off the Indiana hey, game, man. and I'm like, we're gassed. Hey man, uh, we we need to, <laughs> we can't be knocking each other around again. So. 
Um, I, I mind, hey, that's mind a great bit. recognition, though, honestly, as a head coach to do that, because now coaching high school, like I know how much important practice time is and how much you want to implement. So that, to recognize that and feel that and say we needed a little more rest, I, yes. that's, I mean, that's that's uh, that's big. And, time. and yeah. also and it helps when you get smart players and we can walk through, like I said, Sunday night, we just walked through the Penn State stuff and and showed how our rules apply to handle all the stuff they do. So and I think sometimes mental days are more important than than physical days, um, specifically when you got we're not. And on top of that, right, the guys know that, OK, if we lose this game, this will never happen That's again. True. So if we want to get another rest day like this, we better win. So it's extra right. motivation. And, right. And because because I got to get the last word in, Coach, we we already covered Northwestern on the last episode. We couldn't plan for COVID. Oh, you did? And because and, okay. and because uh, we always beat Northwestern, we're not players anymore. So we can look past opponents. We got we're not worried about that game, man. <laughs> You're right about you always getting the last word in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get my two cents in definitely. Uh, real quick, well, before, I, speaking of two cents, go ahead. When's the Vikings play next playoff game? Look, look, here we go. When was the when was the Packers right. last playoff right, that's, game? That's all I need to know. <laughs> go on to next time. Before we before we move on, we're gonna talk Illinois real quick. Obviously, like you mentioned. Coleman Hawkins got loose. Uh, I believe hit what six threes last game. Terrence Shannon was a tough matchup. Yeah. What is uh what what does having Tyler Wall back in the lineup do strategically? Do you go back to switching potentially? Maybe you don't want to give away those trade secrets quite yet, but do you go maybe switch the one four or do you, you know, hedge whatever it is or what what can yeah, you Yeah, we were trying to do that match? that day and it didn't get switched. So um <laughs> the plan was good, the execution not so much, but uh, no, I, like I mentioned earlier, Tyler Back just is a domino effect on both ends of the floor. It's another player to play through in the post. It's a uh, and, and probably among above everything. Obviously, defensively, mentioned at six nine, he can switch and guard one through five. Um, terrific rebounder, fierce competitor. But the thing above all that, everything he does on offense and defensive, the offensive and defensive end is three and a half years of experience. You know, he he's been on two Big Ten championship teams. He understands you know, late game situations. He understands he can communicate things in huddles and timeouts and just that, you know, it's not the same as sitting there in a, in a boot, um, sitting on the bench, even though you're trying to help your teammates in huddles and timeouts and locker room and that it's, it's not the same. So he just brings a, a wealth of experience along with being a really, really good player um, back to the floor. So, you know, we'll have to be, you know, Illinois can hurt you in a lot of ways. It's not just Terrence Shannon and, and uh, Coleman Hawkins, I mean, Matt Meyer has played well. Donja has gotten better. Um, so it's uh, when we get to that, I'll, uh, I'll lose more sleep. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a really talented team that you've got you to be on point about with. And you can't give up. Like I said, we did a decent job, um, except for at the end of the first half. And then, you know, the second half, Coleman Hawkins got loose too much for us and got some momentum going and they got some separation. 100%. It should be said that the Badgers, we are 4-0 and with Tyler Wall in the lineup in Big Ten play. So that is a good sign to have him back. But we'll put a pin in that. Before before we put a pin in that, Tyler does have a COVID year eligible, right? Correct. If he wants it, that would be, that would mm-hmm. be scary to see Tyler back next year with all those guys and the new recruits coming in. Uh, Trevor Winter, but we'll 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 save that conversation for a later date. Nolan Winter, and, Nolan Winter, Trevor's his dad. No, sorry, Nolan Nolan Winter. Thank you, Nolan Winter. But we'll save that for a later no, that date. Would be a good, uh, that would be a good. Uh, it's been discussed, and um, 
hopefully it keeps trending that way. I think Tyler really enjoys it here and we'll, uh, we'll help him make that decision and helping with that when the time comes. Perfect. Perfect. Let's move into the word on campus, which we're happy to have you here for the most. I think we got some some hot topic questions for you. I think some some things that are people are dying to know. And we kind of touched on it. John touched on it earlier with the ATOs, the list of ATOs um, for me. And John, you can touch on this as well. I think it's it's been really cool to see you recruiting the both of us and being an assistant coach, moving into head coaching. Kind of why it's like almost a little bit of a reverse from afar, watching you grow into your own style as a coach. Um, been super cool for me. So what has inspired, I guess, your ability to be so great in ATOs and be so great with halftime adjustments and even, I think, the wrinkles that you put into the swing offense? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm probably, like I said, I've, I'm a somewhat of a basketball junkie, so I'm watching. And when I'm watching other teams play, whether it's in preparation, if there's something I really like, I'll, I've got a notepad with me and I'm just writing it down. Or if I see some, I'm watching whoever play. Um, you know, I, I watch some NBA, not a lot, just because of the help defensive rules and the, and the, you know, they, it's just a little different in terms of what they're able to do. Um, but there's, you know, just things that you're trying to take advantage of the, the skill sets of your players, put them in the best positions we can. And obviously, when you got a guy like Connor Asijan, um, you know, we've done some stuff. You mentioned post and Chucky. We did some stuff early in the year where we specifically put him in the post um, intentionally right away. Um, you know, and then the adaptation, I think, you know, we have some swing concepts and a few of the wrinkles within it that kind of look swing. But mm-hmm. with how the game has changed, um, with spacing more, and and I've kind of gone more to a I – wouldn't, I wouldn't call it Princeton, but it's a it looks a little bit like Princeton with some – point series stuff um and it's basically been to take advantage of steve crowell's ability to pass and his comfort level with playing them with the ball in his hands so and it gets him into the post without it becoming a sumo wrestling match i guess so to speak and try to minimize the physicality not that he's not physical but just you know moving people around um taking advantage of his ability to pick and pop and and even doing actions behind it to to play with the uh, stunt guys and the help guys. And, you know, we've continued to add to that. But I I also try to, as I mentioned earlier, not get paralysis by analysis and give them too much. I, I found myself at times do that. My play card is too long. Um, but, you know, I think we, we've gotten a pretty good mix right now of when we need to get the ball inside. We've got something. We've got a handful of things we can do to to get it there intentionally when we want something – off a ball screen, we got a lot of different ways to get to that. Um, you know, so there's just a variety and it's, you know, with the, with all the switching that's gone on, um, in, in the game, you know, it's become so positionless that, all right, what's the counter to everybody switching. So we've gone back to probably more, a little more motion teaching, you know, players don't understand quite as well how to play without the ball. They're so ball screen and ball in their hand dependent with how they get trained now and how they play before they get to college. So how do you how do you incorporate some of those skills? Because, I mean, if teams are going to ball screen constantly, we're probably going to switch everything. And it's really harder to take advantage of the mismatch in the post than what you think it is. Um, you know, and you're switching to stop the ball. You're switching to stop the throwback quick threes. Um, you know, so it, 
I, I saw a, a quote from Rick Majerus a while ago that I've kept that, you know, the switch, it's important to switch when you need to because the open shot will hurt you more than the mismatch. And that's, you know, it's not only the open shot of coming off a ball screen or the open shot of throwing it back to the screener, but we found the switching keeps the ball in front of us too. And, um, and we've even gotten a code name with it. I mean, we, you know, I think when you guys played, we probably did it in shot clock situations or, um, but we'll, we'll yell bango. I mean, that's our code word. So players know I wanted something loud and aggressive. So we, we started that probably three years ago and it's really grown and players love it. I mean, they, they can yell it, especially with all the slide screening and ghost screening. If we need to, to screen it, to switch it, we will. There's times late in the game against Penn State, we took the bango off. We were sticking to everybody to to stop some of the separation. So, um, you know, you can create confusion once in a while when there's when you're switching and then you're not switching within your own team. Um, but I thought we did, for the most part, handled it pretty well when we had to make that adjustment late in the game. It seems to me now that how, – how do you stay, um, I guess, one of the best defensive teams in the country? To me, people, there's a lot of talk about the era of basketball that we're in. But from a defense, defensive standpoint, it's got to be the toughest to game plan at any level as a coach um, defensively. Just like you said, with all the ghost screens, all the big men can shoot, guards can shoot in the mid-range, right. can shoot out to you know 25 feet, get to the paint. Like guys are so skilled offensively that it's got to be so difficult to game plan uh, defensively. Yeah, you're still, you know, really, guys, It the concepts haven't changed a whole lot from when you guys played. We still want to be really good in transition. So defensively, offensively, if we're more efficient, if we're at the free throw line, if we're playing in the paint, if we're not throwing the ball, you know, I call them pick sixes where we're getting live ball turnovers, um, we get our defense set. That is important. Um, to minimize the transition buckets you give up um, because it's really a game of easy baskets. You think about it. You're trying to get how can you get them, how can you minimize what the other team gets, and then we don't want to give up stuff at the rim. We don't want to give up threes. The exact same thing we're trying to get offensively. So make them shoot the mid-range shots um, over the course of 40 minutes, not giving up things deep in the paint, not getting dribble drive to the rim, um, not having overhelp. And, and then I talked about all the stuff on the perimeter with the threes of you know i've kind of come up with a little saying with our staff is twos can beat you threes will beat you mm -hmm. um so just trying to find ways for the most part that we can minimize the easy baskets in the paint and uh in the easy or the comfortable threes if they're going to fly off screens and twist you know do a 180 and the, as they pivot around a screen all right we'll we'll take our chances with that over 40 minutes but it's the again the over helping that and trying to play as much as possible two versus two in ball ball screen situations and not have to rely too much on a third guy. Yeah, and Coach, I think that was really evident in the Penn State game, right? They were the best three-point shooting team in the league, over 11 a game. You guys held them to eight. Uh, I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about, of limiting those opportunities, and, and you guys did a great job. You mentioned playing two-on-two -two in screens, right? I think Steven Crowell is so good with his feet at unlocking that for you guys, you know, yeah. being able to stay in front of guards. And, you know, even from back when I was there and go back to Mike Wilkinson and, and all those guys, we've, we've always looked for bigs that can move their feet. And talk about that in, re in recruiting. Because I remember 
in my my story that you and Coach Ryan told me, right, is you guys watched me in an AAU game, and and can you? I can't even remember. I, I think I ran down and. Can you tell that story? <laughs> yeah, we were in Vegas watching you. What team were you playing with? It was like maroon uniforms. I know you had Magic. Magic. Minnesota, okay, Magic. Minnesota Magic. Yeah, you made some play at the rim, and that was the first time Bo had seen you. And you backpedaled up the floor. And he, like, whacks me on the shoulder and is like, you see that? I go, yeah. And he goes, what are we waiting for? Look at his feet. He just backpedaled like that and didn't fall over himself coming up the floor. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> Let me find Mike and Holly and tell him where we're going. <laughs> so yeah, it was just uh-huh. a simple back pedal. But you talk about the footwork. You know, it takes – we can teach the ball screen defense and we can drill it, but really, guys got to go through it. And I, I remember watching the evolution of Frank Kaminsky. And Frank was god-awful in ball screen defense as a freshman <laughs> and sophomore. Like, I mean, completely. He couldn't get it right no matter how hard he tried. Yeah. What really helps you with that is repetition and and experience. You got to get your butt kicked with it, and then you realize you're not up far enough in the screen, or you're back too far, or you're turning sideways as the ball comes at you downhill. So it's really experience and repetition. You know, we can apply the rules and the, but there's a gray area. There's a feel for it too that has to be acquired of when do you switch and when do you not switch. So it's not always automatic. Um, Although we've gotten to more and more automatics, I mean, just with how the game, like I said, how the game has evolved. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think the best thing is as much as we drill it and show it, until guys really get in games and get running up and down and, and get blown by or, you know, give up an and one or don't stop the ball, and that's the best teacher. You know, experience is still the best teacher of all this stuff. So you're telling me all this time, all big white guys had to do was just backpedal and not fall down to get a scholarship? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, crazy. you were giving me the – you had 500 questions in coach's office for me when we were one-on-one. Like, what do I have to do to get here? What do I have to do? Yep, yep. I should have said just grow. Be 6'10". Yeah, Be 6'10". Or, or shoot. That's 5'11". Six feet. Yeah, I was going to say six feet, not 6'10". I would have been good, man. But no, I actually – Hey, it sounds like Jordan. It sounds like Jordan was a way bigger pain in the ass to recruit than I was. That's how much put that up. Uh, yeah, he had a lot of questions. You know, he always said he was right about the last word. You know, you know what? Now he was, and, and and to this day, I still people ask me what made me choose Wisconsin, and I say every day it was Coach Guard because you were one of the the few coaches that was just genuine. I think you would, I would ask you a million questions, and you would sit on the phone with me for. 45, 50 minutes and answer all my questions, tell me the things I needed to do to play D1 basketball, not just put, not just come to Wisconsin. Right. And uh, for me, it was like it would get to the point where I'm asking questions and I didn't even want to hear the answer anymore. You were giving such good answers. I was like, damn, he's still answering these? Like, oh, so I thought I was getting yeah. rid of you, but not. Nah. <laughs> it was So I, I tell people all the time, like, Tony, you, you weren't good enough. Yeah. And you actually <laughs> didn't get turned off. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell people all the time, man, that that's what made me go to Wisconsin. And uh, that, that was a, that's a special quality that, that you have and, and possess. And you mentioned with the motion concepts, I actually want to talk recruiting. You mentioned with the motion concepts that you guys have and a lot of guys being trained to do ball screens. How difficult is it to stay and stay relevant now in recruiting, um, you know, trying to recruit guys into that system because everybody wants to have the ball in their hands, whether they're 6'10", like John or or six one like me, everybody thinks they're they're Steph or 
or Dame Lillard these days, it seems. So how, how do you uh, get guys to come to school to play in, in the motion offense well, or, or in a, a movement style? You, you better be multidimensional no matter what position you are. Uh, if you want to play beyond college, you have to have – you have to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. And and you look at the evolution now with – you go even here in Milwaukee, you got Brooke Lopez doesn't go inside the three-point line, you know, and, and how teams are playing. Um, so for us, I mean, it, there's what, 440 players in the NBA? Yep. And there's – right – if you look at 15-man roster, 17-man yeah, yeah. roster, whatever they've got, yeah. um, there's 32 teams. 30. Is that right? 30? Yeah. 30, yeah. Okay, so you got 60 stars. There's relative average of two per team. Mm. So there's 380 role players. You better find out how to play the role. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not everybody's going to be For LeBron real. or Steph. Or, in fact, you're probably not going to be LeBron or Steph. The odds are really stacked against you. Um, so find a way to help your team be successful um, in in the role that's best for your, you and your team. And guess what? You're going to have to adapt to a role in high school. You're going to have to adapt to one in college. And you sure as heck are going to have to adapt to one if you want to play beyond that. Because if you don't, you won't be there long. Um, you know, they'll quickly move on to somebody else. So uh, that's that's really when you break down the numbers and be real with people, like – you know how hard it is to get the NBA? <laughs> I mean, you two guys are really, really, really good players. Mm-hmm. Both first team, all Big Ten, you know? And you know, John gets there and then has injuries, shortcut his, short circuit his career. You know, Jordan, you were, had a cup of coffees with teams. I mean, we've had a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. It's, it's damn hard to get there, and it's even probably harder to stay, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no other sport that brings athletes from all over the world. The NFL doesn't do it. Yep. Major League Baseball does a little bit with South America, but in terms of all over the world and every year, and you have the shortest roster, the the least amount of people on your roster of any professional team, um, you know, it's just it, people don't realize how hard it is to to get there and how hard it is to stay there. I mean, like I said, we've had so many good players that I thought I can't. How does Mike Wilkinson not get on a NBA roster. I mean, he's yeah. still at 45 coach, years old right now. Could come in and wipe the floor with some of our guys in a half court situation, <laughs> not running up and down, but in a half court situation. Coach, that moment for me when I was in the league was when I was in, in Memphis and I had just resigned with them. And we brought in Michael Beasley and Earl Clark on training camp deals. <laughs> And I remember looking at them like, okay, Michael Beasley averaged 28 and 12 as a freshman at Kansas State. Right. Earl Clark was, a, he was national player of the year, Michael Beasley. Earl Clark was a lottery pick, final four player at Louisville. I'm sitting here like, here are two guys that are more talented than I am. And they're just trying to make the team. Like if I take my foot off the gas for one second, there's, there's just too much talent out there that they can replace you. Right. So, so you're, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's just so many good players and, you know, it, it takes a takes a little bit of luck and 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 a lot of hard work, right? And and Absolutely. all you have to do is, I mean, if you get an injury at the wrong time or somebody does something foolish, stu- or socially, I mean, they just hey, they just they don't care. <laughs> you move on to the next one, get you out, get somebody else in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead, like it's a it's a what have you done for me lately world, and uh, that's what I think. Player, young players don't understand that, and they don't understand. Like, if I probably 
said in my locker room, raise your hand if you think you're going to the NBA, I'd probably have double figure hands go up. And that's not reality. I mean, yeah. so I just think there's a misconception of how good you really have to be to and the size and athleticism across the board at that level that that's the elite of the elite and uh like i said until guys really get there or get a little taste of it they don't understand um the Mm -hmm. the jump that that is before we before we let you go just give us a quick update if you can or what you can on max klesman is he going to be available for this week against northwestern and illinois maryland or what's what's his status (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't know yet as we record this. So he's making progress back. Um, he's a little, little sore in his mouth. Uh, he got popped pretty good. Um, and had to have some stitches done there, uh, pretty extensively. So we're, he's still in a recovery mode and we'll see where he's at. I'll see where he's at today. Um, and obviously each day he's gotten better and progressing in the right direction. So at this point in time, it's still to be determined. Cool. I'll, I have one more thing before we yeah. sign off. Yeah. Coach, you know, it's been the 125th anniversary of Wisconsin basketball. You've been bringing guys back for that. You brought me back for it in the Maryland game, right. uh, which I was really thankful for. And I think it's really cool that, that you decided to do that. And I, I appreciate that a lot. And I know all the other guys do too. Can you just touch on real quick why that decision was important for you to bring guys back? Yeah, I mean, bringing guys back is important regardless. I mean, I'd bring them back every day of the week if I could, but I felt it was important for just to honor and recognize the past. Um, We've had such a great tradition, specifically the last 25 years, has been phenomenal. And there's been snapshots of success prior to that. But to to bring back a former player, and and we've gone from all generations, um, and bring one back for every home game, and then in April, we're doing the big event with all the former players and coaches on the uh, 14th and 15th. And I've got, I think, pretty much all the still living head coaches coming back. And then hopefully as many players as humanly possible can get back for that. I don't know, Jordan, if you'll still be playing or what your season looks like um, or if you can get a hall pass for a weekend. And uh, But, you know, it's just uh, – I think it's important to to take a step back and realize we've had an inordinate amount of success over the last 20 years. And sometimes I know when you're standing right in it, you get you get maybe numb or um, uh, you take this – you get complacent and take the success for granted as an onlooker and realize, like, wait a minute, we've won the most games in the Big Ten over the last 20 years. We have the highest winning percentage at home in the Big Ten. I mean, there's a stat profile I could throw up here. Incredible. We show to recruits that when you step back, if you ask, you know, somebody on the street, gave them some trivia questions, and Wisconsin ends up being the answer for a lot of stuff that over the last 20 years has been the best in the Big Ten, um, I think sometimes that gets lost. And like I said, we live in a – mentioned about the NBA guys. They, you live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society that to be able to appreciate where this program has come from, all the people that have come before this run of success that have you know, helped pave the way and been building blocks to where we are now, um, you know, from coaches to players to administrators to – I mean, you name it. So – that's why I think it's important. And I actually am dressing up as, uh, I think, four different coaches. I think the night you were here, John, I had the Dick Bennett sweater vest on. Uh, uh-huh. I Coach Ryan's red blazer the very first game. And I've got 
um, something coming here for Walter Meanwell and who uh, coached back way back in the early 1900s. And then also Bill Cofield, who was the first black head coach in the Big Ten. Yep. Um, that's actually who hired Coach Ryan in the 70s. Uh, so uh, I'm going to have a little tribute to him as well coming up uh, in the next couple months. How was Oh, that's really very cool. cool. Very cool stuff. I was looking for your uh, for your Coach Ryan snarl over there too with the with the outfit. We didn't we didn't quite get it, <laughs> but yeah, no. but, but very cool, very cool. But Coach, we'll let you slide out of here. Big shout out. We appreciate you joining us. Special shout out to the Go SID Patrick Herb for setting this up as well. Make sure y'all check us out this episode again. On socials, we'll be on Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle at Beyond the Big Ten with the number 10 not spelled out. And also on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten with the number not spelled out. We will be back to recap some more Badger wins this week. Next week, we hope you guys tune in with us for Jordan Taylor. That If I am Jordan Taylor for John Lure, check us out next time. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.